Welcome to the Modernizer Die Podcast, CFML News Edition, where we keep you up to date with everything going on in the Cold Fusion community. We'll share the latest news on events, releases to engines, frameworks, libraries, and tools, as well as spotlighting quality content from the community. Welcome to the Modernizer Die Podcast. It is January, can't believe it. Uh, episode 179, January 10th. Uh, welcome and Happy New Year. Daniel, how are you doing? Oh, happy New Year. I wish I wasn't having these little tech issues at the last second, but... Yep, it's always the way. Uh, wouldn't be that easy to just have a nice, peaceful day and everything work right, right? I know, right? Let's, <laughs> We're not on that business. I'm not going to touch it, and we'll see if it just works. Yep. Well, thanks for joining me, and thanks for those in the chat. Uh, good to see you guys all. Uh, and uh, hopefully you guys had a good new year. I enjoyed my little vacation, but I'm back, so we'll see what happens. First up, nice. let's just thank our sponsors, Auto Solutions, the makers of Cold Box, Mound Box, Forge Box, Taste Box, and all your other boxes out there. You want to say thanks, Dan? How do they do it? Yes. Well, several ways to say thanks back to Auto Solutions. You can like and subscribe to our videos on YouTube, what you're watching now probably. Um, you can help Ortis reach for the stars. You can star and fork our repos. Um, star all our GitHub repos. There's a Forgebox module out there from Eric that makes it very easy. Just download that, install it, and go. You can subscribe to our podcast on your podcast apps and leave us a review. You can sign up for a free or paid account on CFCast. We're releasing new content every week. There's, of course, our Box Life store. You can get all sorts of cool merch, shirts, all neat stuff. Um, and we have a couple of books you can buy, 102 Coldbox HMVC Quick Tips and Tricks, as well as Learn Modern CFML in 100 plus minutes. Yep. So lots of ways you can support us. Yeah, we appreciate sure. each and every one. Yep. And we also want to uh, thank our admirable Patreon supporters. We have 42 Patreons providing 100% of the funding for the podcast and uh Obviously, you can find out more on our Patreon site, patreon.com slash autosolutions. And we're 37% of the way of funding the forgeboss.io site, which has all our S3 packages and everything. So uh, thanks to everybody who are supporting us with Patreon. And we'll talk about a little bit more about the perks and uh, thank some of our top Patreons at the end of the show. Okay, so let's get into it. So first up, let's talk about some news and announcements. Um, so... We got one here from a security notice by the look of it. Yeah, it's a security notice for Mira CMS version 10 and Masa CMS um, greater than version 7. So if you didn't know, um, Masa, 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 Masa CMS is a fork of um, Mira and it continues to be open source. But the security notice that are affected by a critical authentication bypass vulnerability. Um, you want to go out and patch this. They're not going to disclose the details just yet, but you got 60 days. But I'm going to go ahead and paste the links in there and go check it out. And if you are running your CMS 10.0.5.8.0 or greater or Masa 7.3.10 or greater, um, please patch. Yep, for sure. Um, and so it looks like the Masa one is already released. Uh, I did see a tweet actually about that too. Um, and, you know, obviously security releases should be released free of charge. So if you're running an old mirror, hopefully they'll release that. If not, uh, it might be worth moving over to the master CMS if you're not going to continue with Mirror as a paid option. Um, they, uh, I think um, that this was one of the, the announcements. Uh, I think we got some tweets later on about it. But, um, but yeah, if you guys are looking at that, um, 
definitely recommend updating to that. 7.3.10, it has been resolved in the MASA. Um, the mirror stuff, we're still waiting for any information on, on updates there. So you might have to be a paid customer to get that. So uh, if you haven't looked at MASA, they're doing good work, lots of updates, and they're keeping it flowing. So good work there. Okay. Next up, we have some news and new releases and updates. And so this one here is a CB Wire 2.2 release. Uh, Grant's been oh, doing yeah. some great work with CB Wire, and he's uh, included, uh, you know, several added enhancements. And this one I thought was pretty cool: lifecycle hooks and simplified uh, turbo drive integration. We'll actually be talking about turbo a little bit later in some of Ben uh, Nadell's blog posts. But uh, he uh, he said that they changed the previous lifecycle hook of mount to on mount to be consistent, and they squished several bugs, and they've uh, also updated the docs. Um, so we'll be sharing that link here as well for you guys. But um, yes, CB Wire, lots of cool stuff happening with that. Crown's doing a good job with that. Um, and it's exciting to see the progress. So, uh, yeah, I want to learn a bit more about it. I haven't used it in a project yet, so I haven't uh, had too much time to play with it. But everything I see looks awesome. This example uh, little repo is really cool. Yeah, so. I think Grant's in the chat today, too. So, hello, Grant. Thanks for uh, all you do. Yep, for sure. Okay, well, new year, so short and sweet with that. But moving on to webinars, meetups, and workshops. Um, so we have uh, the Audis calendar, which we we have a link for that. And the cool thing about that is we're going to try and keep it up to date. That you guys can see stuff as it comes up and as we schedule it. The start of the year means we're up and running and starting to schedule everything. Um, one big change, just want to let everyone know, we're not doing the Software Craftsmanship Book Club this week. I've got some a personal event going on, and I don't know about my timing, so I don't want to have everyone ready to show up if I'm not able to be there. So we're going to skip the book club this month, but it gives you a little bit more time to, to read the um read that one so you guys or catch up for those of us that missed out yeah for sure and there's a couple of videos up on cfcast on that already so if you guys want to look at the clean code by uh robert martin or uncle bob that's what we're working on um so it'll be pretty cool yeah but and then well that leads into Ordus fridays are back in full effect for 2023 just not this friday but that's okay so in case you missed it we had Ordus office hours last friday um, the next one will be the first Friday in February. Um, we've got the Ordis webinar next week on January 20th. It's going to be CB wire coding session. Let's build an app with CB wire with our own Grant Copley at 11 a.m. Central time. And so as you can kind of see, Grant's been doing a lot of great, awesome stuff with CB wire and is going to show us all how to build an app with it, which is awesome. I, all the demos I've seen, looks really cool. So, uh, so please sign up for that. Um, and then coding with the Kiwi, January 27th. The Kiwi, of course, is our very own Gavin, our favorite Kiwi. Followed by, like I mentioned, order office hours on February 3rd. And then the Software Craftsmanship Book Club will be back for February 10th. Yep. So lots of cool stuff coming. Again, we're going to try and do uh, Fridays. Every Friday uh, we have something planned. And so just keep an eye out here and we'll keep the tweets flying as well. And then if you guys are watching live, you get the option of uh, attending a mid-Michigan CFUG tonight. Adobe's Ray Kamza will be presenting the intro to Alpine JS. Um, basically, Alpine calls itself the jQuery for the modern web. And if you guys haven't looked at it, it's pretty cool. It's like a view light. It's one way I like to think about it. Uh, you don't need any build processes or anything. Just a, a quick include and go. And it's got a pretty cool little syntax. Very similar to view. And it's really nice. If you guys are able to make it tonight, it's, uh, I believe, it's 7, 8, uh, 7 p.m. 
Eastern Time. Um, the link is for a, a team link there, so you guys can check that out. And then they'll be putting it up on YouTube later if you do not get it. So if you're not watching live, don't worry, you haven't missed it. They'll be putting it on YouTube soon. So that oh, that and Grant just posted Alpine JS works great with CB Wire. Yep, you know uh, the the creator of CB well not CB Wire, but uh, you know all the all the underlying wire stuff is the same stuff that uh that the same guy wrote Alpine JS. So yeah, they built to work together, and the newer versions Grant's been working on all the cool stuff, uh, the live wire stuff underneath. It all works great together, so it's it's pretty dang cool. So I didn't even know they're related until I did the Alpine talk at Into the Box when I, when I learned all that. And I'm like, oh, even better. So very, very cool. So, okay, next up, we have CFCAS. So you yep. want to tell us about that? Absolutely. So a lot of CFCAS content updates. Uh, as always, CFCAS.com. Some of the recent releases, we have the end of the box 2022, all videos are released to the subscribers. So initially we had them released to the attendees, but now they're all for everybody. And there are what, 30 videos, I think, Gavin, is that right? Yeah, at least plus. I was actually wondering, you know, I think we had 28 sessions at the conference plus the pre-conference. There's probably oh, like almost right. 40 videos, so tons of great content. So yeah, definitely yeah, so go check that are, out. CFCast subscriber, go check some out. I think there might be some free ones too up there. I'm not yep. 100% We try sure. to do one every day free out of the 12 days of Christmas. So they should be, you know, basically about a third of the videos from the conference are, are free. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. And then um, we've got the 2022 Forgebox module of the week series, as well as the 2022 VS Code hint, tip, and trick series. Um, all those released and updated. Yeah. And since it's 2023 already, we're going to have to create a new little. Uh, series for that one and i think we're almost done releasing 2022s so we'll have to do the blog post for the start of the year too and wrap up all of those together so it's kind of cool we can see just one series of all of them from the year for each of the the forgebox module and then the vs code so we're gonna have to update that and get the get the third one so 2023 starting fresh nice and then coming soon more forgebox and vs code podcast snippet videos cobox elixir from eric Getting started with content box from Daniel. What? Okay. <laughs> it's on I the will list. be getting started with getting started with content box. How about that? Uh, Brad with more command box videos, which are always welcome. Well, everything's always welcome, but, and then boxifying a third party library from Gavin. Yep. We're, we've been working on these just over the, over the months. So we're going to start getting them out. I know Brad's done a ton and we're going to try and get his release here shortly, but everyone else has been working on some too. So that's what we've got planned. If you want to see anything else, let us know. But again, lots of great content coming your way soon on CFCast. Okay. Next up we have conferences and trainings and uh, we got quite a lot coming up and CF Summit Online is still going on. So if you guys missed Adobe Cloud Fusion Summit live and in person, uh, all the sessions have been streamed online and it looks like we've got a, a few more coming up. So one today, later today, um, um, basically the Modernizing Through Evolution, Not Revolution. This is Goose. Um, and he's going to be talking about that. And I heard this was a great session. I missed it at the conference. Um, but he's talking about, you know, you know, do we... Do you sort of rewrite from scratch? Do you re refactor? How do you do it? You know, evolution, not revolution. And talking about how to sort of counter some of those those issues you run onto maintaining older code and, and changing tools along the ways, et cetera. So um, I think it'd be really good. I heard a lot of great things about it. So I'm looking forward to that one. But there's a few other people we know talking, right, Dan? 
There is. So I'm going to be going on Thursday, easier API development and testing using Postman Website and NGROC to enhance your workflow. That's going to be Thursday at noon Eastern time. Um, so go ahead and check that out. I got to actually, you know, dust off the presentation to make sure my demo works. And I'll be doing that before Thursday to make sure it's a nice, smooth <laughs> presentation. Um, followed by on January 17th, we've got Leveraging AI Cognitive Services via Focal Fusion with Michael Hayes. Um, I, this is another one that I missed. It seems like AI is popping up everywhere, and mm -hmm. it's kind of interesting. And it's I kind of want to see what he's talking about with with CF and AI and, and all that. Yeah, the Azure Cognitive Services API. I'm curious uh, what they're doing there. So, yeah, be good ones to, to see. A lot of great co uh, content. We also have another one from Kevin Wright talking about spreadsheet magic that'll be january the 19th 12 o'clock eastern and then we have uh, another one coming up on the 24th uh marcia adelin and nick huntilla um, that's the opportunities for blockchain technology and nfts in the real world so nfts i assume that it's meant to be just the capitalization confused me but um yeah so that's that's another one coming up and i know there are a few people that haven't actually got on the schedule yet uh, myself included it's been a crazy couple of months so i'm going to try and get mine in there too but i think there are a few other speakers that are still uh possibly coming before the end of the month so you guys can go check it out see if someone online Sorry? Sorry, they've been posting the recordings, right? I believe the they're up on the, up on the their YouTube channel. Yeah, so um, I'm, not, I'm not sure if they're completely up to date on that, but that's the plan. They're being releasing them. So uh, if you've missed any, um, you can go check those out. And the cfsummit-online.meetus.adobeevents.com is where you can find the the full website with the schedule and uh, I think the link to the recordings as well. Whew. Right on. Ooh, lots of good stuff. Um, moving on, we've got a couple of Vue.js events. The first one is the Vue.js Nation Conference on January 25th and 26th. Um, we'll go ahead and post that link in there. Followed by Vue.js Amsterdam 2023, February 9th and 10th. Um, in, well, in Amsterdam. Um, call for papers and blind tickets are available now, although I think they'd probably be wrapping that up soon if it's coming yeah, up I, in like a month. I think the call for speakers might be finishing here really soon. Um, so... If you want to speak, you better hurry. Otherwise, uh, yeah, if you guys are in the area, it might be a great conference to go to. We also have DevNexus coming up uh, April 4th through the 6th. Uh, I know they've released some of the speakers up on the site. I'm not sure if the full schedule is out yet, but uh, that one is going to be uh, happening in Atlanta. So April 4th through the 6th. So we usually have uh, Brad and Luis has spoken at in previous years. I know that we submitted a bunch of content, so we're all just seeing who's going to be speaking, if anyone in, in our group. So I'd be curious to, to see. But I've heard it's a great conference, a lot of great stuff there. Tons of tracks, lots of fun. Yep. And after that, we have another Vue.js conference, Vue.js Live. It's online and in London on May 12th and 15th. Um, code, create, communicate. I think, is this the one that they had in Florida last year? And now they're doing it online? Um, I'm not right? sure. I think that that was the Vue.js US, which I think is after. They, they have a few different ones. There's quite a few around. They're all very, very similarly named, and I get confused. But... Um, yeah, I think I think it was the Vue.js Conf. So I don't. Yeah, I don't think it was this one, but 
Uh, I know that this one was a really big conference, a lot of people, and uh, yeah, it sounds like they're hoping to have about 10,000 people joining it uh, globally. So that's one that you can do in person and online. So pretty cool. And then right after that, we have Into the Box 2023, the 10th edition. <laughs> and uh, since everyone enjoyed their holidays so much, we decided to give everyone a little bit more time to fill out their call for speakers. So we've extended it to January 31st. Um, we want a few more people submitting so we can you know, choose the topics. Some of the usual, uh, uh, I don't know what we want to call them. Uh, usual speakers will be nice and say speakers. Um, suspects. Yeah, usual suspects. that's what I was going to say. Like, oh, that <laughs> sounds bad. But yeah, so some of the usual suspects haven't submitted yet. So we'll send out some reminders there. But we're also looking for new speakers too. So um, put your name in the hat. Put in some, some options of ideas of what you'd like to speak about. And then, uh, yeah, get those in. We want to announce um, workshops and, and sessions as soon as we can. Uh, that's you know, always a goal. So we guys can start planning your travel. Because it is May 17th through the 19th. So it's a Wednesday through Friday, middle of May. Um, so basically you guys can all do your Mother's Day celebration. And then fly out to Houston to uh, give them some peace and quiet. Uh, so we're looking forward to it. And as you mentioned, we're still finalizing some workshops. If you have ideas for workshops you want to throw out there, now's the time to, to let us know as well. We can take it into consideration. Yep. So we're we're just making those decisions. So everyone's back from holiday. We're going to start getting to ITB mode uh, at Audis. And so we'll be letting you know. But yeah, definitely. We love the feedback. Um, last time we put some Twitter polls up. Maybe we'll do the same this year or some Facebook oh, polls yeah. or email the list and, and see. But you know, if you're going to be there, we want to know from you because if somebody wants a certain topic, but then they're going to be there, it's not quite as important. So if you think you're going to attend and there's a workshop you'd like to attend, please let us know. Uh, we want to make it a big success. Now, 10th one, it's going to be a doozy. And then CF Camp is back after the COVID battles. CF Camp is back June 22nd to the 23rd at the Marriott Hotel Munich Airport in Freising. Uh, the call for speakers should be coming up soon. We're looking out for that. And uh, you can find out more on the cfcamp.org site. And I'll be updating that as we go. So a lot of cool stuff there. A lot of great conferences happening. And then if you guys have any other conferences you'd like to recommend, let us know. Because um, we we obviously have a lot of you know Java ones and some Vue.js stuff, but if there's other things you think we should be looking at, if there's React ones or something else, let us know. And we can add them to the list too. Yep, and we've got the uh, um, the Comps.Tech site, huge list of conferences from us any language or community, as well as as GitHub link, which I don't think I've seen. Gavin, developer conferences agenda. What is that? Yeah, so it's basically a, a GitHub link that people have put out there. I'm going to try and share my screen for those watching. So we'll see if that works today. And so it's a agenda list. And so basically just has a ton of dates. And so you can see when the call for speakers ends and, and stuff like that. So they've got all this different information about this, these upcoming conferences. And so there's just a lot of them, um, you know. And so it's a really nice list of them, but um, yeah, Are check we it out for me. Um, probably not. I don't think we've oh, added ourselves we got it to yet. You. Nope, we haven't put that in the air. But yeah, so it's just one of those things where it's just a ton, and people are adding them in here. But they're they're really tech focused um, and just a lot of good information. So I like how they have the CFPs listed in the deadlines for them. Yeah, that's sort of one of the things that uh, the tech conf doesn't do quite the same. But I guess I'll share for those who haven't seen that before either. Well, yeah, let's get uh, another box up there. 
Yeah. And so um, you can search for in-person or online. Um, and then as you go through, you can see a lot of them. Um, they do have some of the deadlines in there. They've got links to the code of conduct. It's a pretty nice site too. I like it because if you're looking for a particular technology, um, you can get in here and select them. I know we did have a CFML in here. So if we just need to make sure we add the, you know, add our conferences in here and you can actually add a conference, um, do that. And they also have the call for paper links too. So call for papers here. Um, people can have it and they have like the deadlines and stuff too. So it's kind of nice. So it's a, it's a cool little site again, if you're looking for conferences to attend or maybe to speak at, that's uh, a good way to go. Okay. So with that done, that leads us up to blogs, tweets, and videos of the week. And we got a few here from Ben Adele. So let me jump into the, the first one. Um, and then a couple of these are related. So I'll talk about them a little bit. So in this first one here, or the most recent one, shall we say, the Hotwire Turbo Drive uh, requires failed form submissions to return a non-200 status code. So Ben was doing some work and using Hotwire and ColdFusion, and he's been having some uh, interesting you know, adventures, shall we say. And so in the previous one, he was having trouble with, you know, working with CFM files and, and Hotwire, but he's been, you know, just sort of exploring that. And so this one talks about how, you know, you need to give the non-200 status for a failure from that. Um, but it's kind of cool because, yeah, it just sort of does the the hot reloading. It's kind of a, a pretty interesting piece. And so he's got this, uh, this Hotwire example here up on GitHub if you want to try it out. Um, but yeah, I just thought it was pretty cool. I know that, you know, CB wire is using some turbo stuff as well. And the most recent release talked about that, but so, um, Ben's walking through some of this stuff in here. So that was the, the first article. We'll tell you a little bit more as we move down, but you got another one for us. Uh, yeah, well, we've got the, uh, as we kind of mentioned earlier, CB wire 2.2 is released. Uh, we'll get the blog entry out there for you i'm sorry gavin i apparently did not uh, that's okay i have a problem people when gavin talks i just kind of get like lured is the wrong adjective for it but i just get entranced and then i forget to like you know post links to these things so if the links are late that's on me i'm sorry but anyway um as we mentioned cbwire 2.2 is released and we're all very excited about it um, it includes several changes, new lifecycle hooks simplified, the turbo drive integration, um, the docs have been updated. Uh, if you go to cbwire.ordisbooks.com, you can see they've all, everything there you want to know. Grant is in the chat. You can ping him, say, way to go, Grant. Good job. Or if you have any questions, you can do that too. Also, there's a, uh, on the box team Slack, there is a CBWire channel in there. If you're playing around and have some questions, you can ping him there as well. But uh, yeah, and don't forget, January 20th, it's going to be Grant and CB Wire as for the uh, January webinar. So please sign up. Yep. And Grant's also been doing some work on, you know, sort of like a roadmap and everything. So in the Autos community site here, um, he's been basically laying out some of the things he's thinking about working on or might want to work on, or if you've got any recommendations, jump in there. So, you know, he wants to make it as valuable as possible to the community. And so he's talking about stuff like WebSockets, um, Fire Pusher, et cetera. So if you guys have anything extra in there uh, that you want to do or check it out, um, go jump into that. So we'd like the WebSockets, Grant says. Yep. So yeah, lots of lots of cool stuff possibly planned, but you know, he wants the feedback so we can continue to, to work on that. 
Now, is, is Grant saying WebSockets is planned, or that's what he wants to do next? Well, since he like he's going to be continuing to work on that, but yeah, we may be doing some more stuff too. Okay. Well, next up, we have a couple more from Ben, and so Ben was also working on some like a code cutter too. So he's recursively flattening a deep array in Cold Fusion. Uh, he looked at flattening an array in Cold Fusion as well. So this one, um, he's using variadic functions and basically a little bit more brain brain thingy stuff. So yeah, like it's one of those things where, um, you know, Ben dives into something and he's like, let me go a little deeper. So the first article, which um, is right here, flattening an array and cold fusion, um, it was a nice little example walking through. And so he wanted to sort of go and figure out how to recursively flatten the deep array using the nested array elements. Um, you know, so I thought this was a really cool one. Again, I'm just getting back from my holidays. So my brain is starting to work again, but, uh, but this one, it's like a nice one. I like the fact that you can, uh, you know, throw it in here and, and really get deeper. So, um, I'll, yeah, the cool thing is, is that JavaScript has the solutions for most of these things already. There's so many things there. So, but he walks through it and it's kind of cool that he takes something here where you can see an array and array and array. And then basically, if you go down multiple dips, just keep squishing them until they're all in one, one level. So, um, I really like this. Now I know we had a collections, um, a CB collections, uh, module that Eric was supporting. I wonder if it had some of these functions in here, cause it's kind of like did a lot of the under uh, underscore thing. So kind of curious, but, um, really cool example and working through oh, if you want to, Eric just said, yes, it did. It did. Cool. See, hey, Eric. So yeah. So, um, so it's it cool. Cause... And then, and the, it the, did, and it does. Yeah. The the code kata type approach to things is kind of cool. And if you guys, you know, even if there is something out that does it, sometimes it's good just to, to test yourself and make yourself think outside the outside the box a little bit there. And that's kind of cool. So um, we have those two articles there. And then we also have iterating over function arguments in the CF loop. So Ben really was busy. This, you know, everyone else is taking a holiday. Ben said, oh, well, i got time. I'm going to write some blog articles. So that was really cool. So he was also, uh, you know, talking about loop iterating over those functions in a CF loop function arguments. And so his previous post on flattening arrays, he also looked at, you know, the scope of the function body X as an array and a struct, which I thought was interesting too. Um, but yeah, so basically he just works with a different example and shows you how you can loop over something as an array. Um, but also as far as, if it treat it like a struct, so you can struct of arguments or an array of arguments and you can loop over it both ways, which I didn't know that. I guess that's kind of strange. Have you ever messed with that? I mean, I've always done the structs thing, but I guess I didn't think that you could do that with the arrays. Interesting. Yeah, I didn't either. So yeah, that's kind of interesting. interesting. I, I didn't know it act acted that way so that's that was news to me i know that there's a lot of scopes in cold fusion and some of them behave very differently than other scopes and even though something looks like a struct it might not actually be a struct and so very interesting one of those things where it works one way in lucy but well yeah he's doing it in lucy never mind yeah well it's yeah there's definitely possibilities of being different and uh, different engines so but again uh Interesting. Not sure, you know, again, it's one of those things you sort of play around with and, and learn. But, uh, so Ben had quite a few ones there. Now, back Scott to the turbo just, one. Scott just chimed in that no, both will work, he believes. 
Interesting. Yeah. Like I said, I'm wondering why you'd want to loop through as an array versus struct. I guess if you don't know the key names, we could, I guess you could just use the key names, get the key names and go from there. But interesting. And then this is the one where he talks about Hotwire Turbo Drive doesn't work with a CFM page extensions. So um, basically, there's a GitHub issue about it and everything else. Uh, it does more Ajaxifying the interactions. And so this is where he, it led to his other article. So, um, oh, huh. he was sneaky. He changed all the CFM extensions to be HTM and then rewriting them underneath with Command Box Server. Sneaky, sneaky. Ooh, that bad. Yeah, so that's that's how he did it. Because I was reading this, uh, I read the first one saying how it doesn't didn't work or whatever. Um, just the intro, and then I got the other one. I was like, oh, very cool. Well, we've so. got some some stuff, good stuff going on in the chat. Um, Eric mentioned that if you only want the items, I assume he's talking about what we were talking about before. And then Scott commented that he learned that from Brad. Of course, positional allows you to have non-named items. And mm-hmm. he gives an example in the chat. Yeah, no, I've I have seen that where with that just basically numbers them, but I I thought they were still strapped. I guess yeah, I guess that still works. So interesting, but yeah, so this was kind of cool. Um, like I said, the turbo stuff. A lot of people been talking about turbo how it's going to take over the world. It's going to improve everything. So interesting to to see people playing. It's like AI right now. It's kind of the hot thing that everyone's talking about. So very cool. And then we had one more thing. Uh, apparently, the Working Code podcast was talking about something, and Zach responded. And I'd never heard of, well, I hadn't seen it this way. But um, basically, the Lucy is a script runner. And I know we can tie into that a few different ways. But basically, you can run an application with it. You can run different bits of code um, through the script runner. And so it's kind of cool. And which I thought was interesting. Zach gave some examples here. Um, but basically how you could just build a file, use the, uh, the execute, and this is all GitHub Actions stuff, right? I think so. Yep, so this is the GitHub Actions. The Lucy Docs Builder actually uses this. So under the hood, it uses their little uh, script runner. And so you can run all these different things. And it's kind of cool that you can actually basically build all the files. Um, and yeah, basically do like little CI stuff with the script runner from here. So um, a lot of people using GitHub Actions and it's something I need to learn a bit more about. So it's kind of cool that we could just tie straight into that without having to, to go and run specific Docker images or, or anything else if we need to. So hmm. yeah, Scott commented that Turbo has been around for a while. I don't think I really even know what Turbo is, to be honest. I've, I've heard it mentioned, but I, I don't know what it is. What is it, Gavin? Well, I mean, I thought it was like part of the, yeah, no, I I thought it was part of the, you know, the whole live wire reloading and everything else. And it's, it's like, you know, Basecamp is one that we're working with Turbo. And so that's why Scott's has been at Rails for a while, but it just seems like they did something recently, which I don't know. I don't know what they did with it, but it just apparently like speed performance and everything. Oh yeah. So it fetches the next page with Ajax and then replaces the body. So, yeah. So maybe there's something else that got the Turbo name recently too. Um, so, mm, hmm. so Eric's saying you'd have to repass CSS and 
and you know JavaScript files, etc. So that makes sense. But so it must be that maybe so there's another turbo thing, another turbo builder. Everything gets confusing when they start using the same names in different places. But maybe that's what I was thinking of. There's a turbo, a turbo build tool. Maybe that's what I was thinking. I don't know. Is this like another cool thing that's coming that we should learn, or just a cool thing that's out there that it's? Yeah. Uh, so Turbo Build. I was thinking it was related to that. So oh. no, Turbo Build is an implementable bundler and build system optimized for JavaScript and TypeScript written in Rust. So uh, see, I was just getting confused. So there we go. Turbo Links. Yeah. yeah. Well, maybe this could be an end of the box session from somebody. Yeah, I think the Turbo Wire is based on the Live Wire stuff. And yeah, Grant is has been talking about using it in CB wire, so lots of wire stuff going on. Lots of cool, interesting stuff. So but yeah, so Ben has all those cool blog posts and there's a couple other things there as well. So very cool. Well my takeaway is I'm gonna ask Grant about it later because he does a really good job of explaining things to me. <laughs> yep. Okay, well I was gonna post that link, but it disappeared. So We'll have to uh, which one? I posted the the script runner. Oh, okay. It just disappeared from the notes. So I was like, ah, where'd it go? Oh, okay. Did I do that? So let's, next up, we'll do uh, find a job. So um, looks like we got some new ones up on CFML jobs, but pretty quiet over the Christmas time, right, Daniel? Yeah. Well, it's always, you know, the holidays. Really between Thanksgiving and, and New Year's, things are getting a little slower. But there are several positions at getcfojobs.com, over 39 CF positions from 25 companies across 22 locations in five countries. So one new job listed this week. It's full-time for a CF developer. It's remote for the United Kingdom. Um, and we'll get the link out there for you. Um, yep. I thought there was another one that I must have missed putting in here. Um, Nolan was hiring somebody. Yep, and that's listed uh, right below there. So oh, obviously, yeah. Audis is uh, hiring uh, as usual, but we also have that one from yep. South of Chester. So I'll open that one up real quick. I was already sharing yeah, my screen, so they got a quick sneak peek of the show notes. But yep, so CFML developer wanted uh, steady work for at least the next three months um, and longer if it goes well. But uh, they're looking for that. And yeah, the offices are based in Sacramento and the UK. So um yeah yeah but they're basically saying that you know they need to be more on you know more of a a a part-time person that's not working a full-time job and has to go out to the parking lot to take the course you know so um it is you know the the time does matter so and cold box experience is a must they're using cold box six and the several modules of the forge box system so yeah so command box docker mysql 8 so a cool little group of technologies there. So hopefully you guys can, uh, you know, help Nolan find the right person. Yeah, absolutely. Post those links in there. Very cool. Okay. So next up, we have our Forgebox module of the week. And this is an oldie but a goodie. And uh, I thought we should remind people that it still should be one of the top packages you use for a lot of different reasons. You want to tell us why? Oh, yeah. Commandbox.env. Or should I, me, I would probably pronounce it .env so you guys can make fun of me. <laughs> but uh, storing secrets and source control files is a bad idea, but we still need a way to provide those sensitive credentials or config values to our projects. Uh, put them in an ENV file, environment variables. This is something I actually didn't really use much of until I joined Ordis and 
once I started, I'm like, why haven't I been doing this all my career? Yep. Um, just everyone knows, I'm sharing my screen, so I'm highlighting things is do not commit it to source control. Add it to your dot get ignore immediately. If you search Google for .env files, you will find so many people who have committed their .env files and they've got database passwords and credentials, all sorts of stuff, which hopefully they've rotated since then, but it's ridiculous yeah. how many people do it. So all of our um, you know, templates always have a dot get ignore with .env file. You should use a .env example to have everything except for your secrets in it. And then, yeah. Anyway, I just want to highlight and remember, remind everybody that because it happens way too often. So Yes, it does. I feel like that should be a webinar or one of these days, just common sense and modern web development. And that'd be like the first thing. Use ENV files and don't commit them to your repo. Yeah. And Grant was like, oh, wow. I figured Google would have ho- uh, or should have hoped Google would have blocked the .env searches. And they may have since. <laughs> Grant. But uh, I think, yeah, for a long time, but, you could search for .env files or just search for, like, password. <laughs> and it would show up so many. <laughs> but, yeah, well, it's kind of crazy. Allows you to do it. Yeah. So, but, yeah, it's, it's a great tool for sure. And, like, you know, one of those things when you're working on multiple projects and you want to have your, you know, your password set up. And I don't know how many times people would have it where they'd, you know, upload it upload their repo or whatever and someone else would pull it down and then they'd have a different password for their database server locally than someone else and then stuff would all be messed up and so yeah it's really nice to be able to have your own set up your own configuration in a .env and that way you know everyone sets it when it goes to different server environments it can update as well and if you're using docker or whatever then the compose files will provide the you know the env stuff for you so you don't have to use a .env in production which is nice so, and I'll give props. John kind of commented in the chat. Um, he and I used to work together at my last company. He did bring this to the team and said, Hey, we should be using environment variables. At the time, we weren't in a good situation where that was easily doable. So we kind of tabled it. So I didn't really at the time, but now I joined Ortis and it's like, Whoa, where's this been all my life? Yep, exactly. I said that a lot when I first joined Ortis. <laughs> well, it's one of those things, you know, like if you're trying to use you know, .env files in an old traditional Lucy setup, it just doesn't work the same. You don't need it, you know, once you're on a low or traditional yeah. server install, you add the data source, you're done. But yeah, the more you're switching between stuff, the more you're, you know, going to more towards Docker containerization and be able to deploy all over and run CI for your tests and everything, just certain things become more difficult without something like that. So, so yeah. But uh, also John said that, GitHub does actually warn people when they submit EMV files or so he's told. But um, hmm. so, yeah, so that's good. People are aware that it's a, a big deal, but um, it's really cool. And I really like the fact that we can mailbox too. If you have more than one site running, it doesn't load them to your normal .env, uh, your normal environment variables. Like if you have a, something called, you know, DB password on your machine, normally you can add an environment called DB password, but that means your password would have to be the same for all your databases, or you'd have to have different names for all of them. So this basically makes it local to that site and that site only. So I also like how if, um, so you have the ENV example file with all that you should have. Um, sometimes you're working with the repos with other developers, and maybe they add something and you don't have it. You try to start your site, it's going to flag you and block you from starting the site if you're missing an environment variable that it thinks you should have meaning it's in the example file, but not in your ENV file. Yeah. Um, so that's pretty handy. I ran into that again um, yesterday when I was working, updating a site. It's like, oh, looks like I need to add this. Yep. And this was cool too, that you have the 
the .env check and you can have the reverse function and you can put these into your uh, git hooks as well so that way you can actually um you know before you well before you start that's what you just talked about but you can also do it before you commit before you check out uh sorry after you check out and after you merge so just basically make sure that you've got all those and um some people do turn the server check off but trust me it's nice that if you go to start a server and it's not working you don't know why it's nice to have a warning beforehand saying ah you shouldn't start the server you're missing stuff that it needs to run so yeah. anyway there's a lot of cool stuff in here i know eric did a lot of work on it and brad's done a lot of integration with command box and other people have added things too so really cool highly recommend using it um, and even if you're not using docker it doesn't mean you can't use it it's still good for a lot of things so and remember, we have good tie-ins inside of Cobox to pull properties from your Java settings, your .env files, etc. So it's even cool for in development. Hey, I want to use this email address to send my emails to instead of the normal ones, etc. So yeah, I'm still finding cool things. Like I had no idea that I can just set some box server environment variables and they'll be picked up automatically by the server instead of going into a command box server JSON file and specifying things. And so, yeah, it's... Yep. That's good stuff. Yeah, and John brings up another good point. .env files, they work with view projects. They work with a lot of different languages, not just, you know, something we're doing. It's a lot of languages are doing it. So, yep, it's sort of the standard way to do things. So definitely a good thing to use. We have our VS Code Hint Tip and Trick of the Week. And this is a newer one, but uh, I wanted to spotlight it because I thought it looked pretty cool. And basically, it's filtered directories now i know in vs code you can already you know start typing and you can sort of filter a folder but what this one allows you to do is actually um go and select a folder and then say add to my filtered view and so under filtered view it'll just show the pieces of the site that you actually want to jump to so maybe you're working on a site and you've got some handlers and some views but there's all this other stuff in between you can actually just add those two folders into your filtered view and then you'll be able to easily jump between them and so if you've got a huge, you know, huge site and you're only caring about two different folders or three different folders, you could just add them into that list. And then that way under your filtered folders, you'll just see the ones you actually care about. So it's kind of nice. And it doesn't mean you have to keep typing every time. You could just say, these folders are the ones I care about in the site and just got a nice, easy way to view them. So pretty simple, but again, sometimes the best ones are that simple, right? So, um, it's called filter or filter directories. Um, yeah, again, pretty simple. And just one of those things I saw on Twitter. I'm like, ooh, that's kind of a cool idea. So yeah, I wonder if there's like a point. There's tons of cool extensions of VS Code. So I wonder, is there a point where you can have too many where it slows things down? Or Yeah, and to be honest, it depends on what the filter or what the extension is doing. So I know a lot of them, um, you know, you've got linters and formatters and you've got all these different things like the for a lot of the like the cold fusion one the you know it scans all your components so it can try and give you some you know autocomplete stuff and some Insights. metadata and everything yeah. else and so it has to scan your file so if your sites are huge or you just have it where you open your dub 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 folder and there's a million sites in there and you put a bunch of extensions that is actively watching files and everything else then it can become an issue i think but it all depends on which ones you're using and usually if you're using too many that do the same things that's where you get issues but it's good everyone's small just go turn off a few things and then basically work without them and then you're like oh man i really missed this i'll go turn it back on because sometimes i don't even know which extension is doing what because there's so many great ones out there but you kind of get 
confused about which one's doing what. So yes, maybe a little task. Turn them all off and then see which ones you hurt, miss, you know, and then go turn those back on. But there are definitely a lot of cool ones and just stuff like this, you know, it's a pretty cool little feature. So yeah. hopefully you guys enjoy that one too. And then, uh, oh, John was saying workspaces with multiple projects loaded. Yeah, that's that's sort of the thing. If you have a workspace with a lot of them, uh, that can be an issue. The other thing too is when you're sharing, um, like Live Share. Live Share shares the workspace. If you have multiple sites, you can put them all in one workspace. It makes it easy to share. But then there's way more files in that workspace. So depends. If you got more monitors, you know you just have more VS Code windows. But I guess I only only ever limit one site per workspace for some reason. That just makes more sense to me. But yeah, I mean, if they're if you got like an API and a front end, it makes sense to have both folders in there. I think, depending on how you set your stuff up, yeah. anyway. But yeah, a lot of times I just I basically just open folders. So with the yeah. works with the workspaces, it, it helps. So okay, well, last but not least, let's thank our Patreons. So these individuals are the ones that are personally supporting our open source initiatives to ensure great tools that we build at orders like command box forge box cold box content box test box and all the other boxes out there and these supporters help make sure that they get the development they need and the funds for the cloud infrastructure that the community relies on like forge box which helps you know basically the back end of our package management with command box and so we appreciate each and every one of them i know there's a lot of other people that you know obviously support us but these people are using their own hard-earned money so it's it's great that they can do that and so you can check us out at patreon.com slash order solutions why don't you tell us about some of the perks of being a patreon oh yeah yeah well don't forget we do have annual memberships you pay for the year and save 10 percent, which is great for businesses but also great for anybody that wants to save 10 percent so bronze packages and up, you now get a Forgebox Pro and a CFCast subscription as a perk for the Patreon subscription. All Patreon supporters have a profile badge on our community website. All supporters have a private forum on the community website. All Patreon supporters have their own private channel access on the Box Team Slack. If you're not on Box Team Slack, uh, you should get on there and, you know, come chat with us. And then you also get, as an exclusive, live stream access to streams like Coding with the Kiwi and Friends, which will be later this month, and the Ordis Software Craftsmanship Book Club, which will not be this month, but will be back in February. So if you go to community.ordisolutions.com for more information. Yep, so go check that out. Even if you're not a patron, there's a lot of great content there. But if you are, you get a little extra. So very cool. But we want to thank our top Patreons. So uh, again, we got to the point where we're just too many Patreons. So we're just going to thank our top ones. But you guys are all important. We thank all of you. We appreciate you. But uh, thank you especially to John Wilson from Synaptrix, Tomorrow's Guides, Jordan Clark, Gary Knight, Mario Rodriguez, Giancarlo Gomez, David Bellinger, Dan Card, Jeffrey McGee, Dean Wander, Nolan Irk, and Abdul Rahim. So thank you guys. You are our top Patreons, and we thank you. And to all our other th- Patreons, uh, you're important as well and we really want to say thank you we do appreciate it and uh yeah we're hope to see you guys at into the box coming up soon and we'll see you guys at uh orders fridays yeah see ya have a great one everybody show notes for this episode can be found at cfmlnews.modernizeordie.io where you can also subscribe to your favorite podcast player like Spotify or iTunes. We also have the link to YouTube to find more videos just like this. The music used in this podcast is under a royalty-free license from Sound.com and Bluetree Audio.